Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Prep Life Podcast. This is Amy Anger, founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini. And today I have with me Brie Gindin, and she is going to be talking all things SIBO. Uh, she will explain what that means um, and how that pertains to the prep life and competitions. So I'm very excited for her to share her journey um, and I will go ahead and hand it over to you, Bree, to just give our listeners a little bit about your background, what you currently do, and um, some some all of that information. So, <laughs> that <was a> <laughs> all <lot>. right. <laughs> so, my name is Bree. I'm Bree Gindin. Um, happy to be here today. So, thanks for having me. I my background basically. I was a psychology major in college, but since um, leaving the corporate world. And having my kiddos, I became um, basically a certified personal trainer. Um, then I went on to get some nutrition certifications. I'm a master level precision nutrition coach, and I'm also a certified faster way to fat loss coach. So I've been a trainer now for about 10 years. And um, at some point, I basically kind of discovered that I was doing my clients a disservice by only training the outsides of their bodies and not teaching them what they should be putting inside their bodies. And so can you share with our listeners how um, SIBO has impacted you and kind of when you found out that you, how you, um, how you got that? (laughs) Sure. So for people that don't know, SIBO stands for small intestinal bacteria overgrowth. And, um, it basically starts like this. So we all have bacteria in our gut, right? It's supposed to be there because it helps you digest your food and get all the nutrients out. But when we have an overgrowth of it, we either have too much or maybe an imbalance. Um, The yin and the yang is off and that's where the problems come in. So most people will notice if they have SIBO, they'll notice um, bloating. Sometimes people get diarrhea. Sometimes people have the opposite, constipation. Um, Gas is usually a big issue. Some people actually have physical stomach pain when they eat. Um, Weight loss or weight gain can be a problem. Lots of food sensitivities come along with it and then skin issues as well. It's kind of like a horrible trickle-down effect because it usually goes hand-in-hand with leaky gut and and that can lead down the road to autoimmune issues and all that. So it's a really slippery slope. Um, I was diagnosed with SIBO. Let's see. This would have been, <laughs> I have to think back, um, I think four years ago, something like that. I was diagnosed about four years ago, and my symptoms were um, I was kind of chronically constipated, although not so much in a sense like, People think, oh my gosh, like I haven't gone for a week. It was like maybe I was going every other day, which to me I didn't know was being constipated. But my doctor um, and the functional nutritionist that I ended up working with were like, oh yeah, you should be going every day. So I didn't even know I was constipated. But what I did know is I was bloated, like constantly looking like I was four months pregnant, no matter what I ate. And um, probably TMI, but this is why you guys are here. I had horrendous gas, like every day, all day, never ending. And when you live with someone, that's kind of a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so rough. Um, So what, what um, kind of moved you forward to kind of uh, investigate your um, symptoms of your bloating, just the uncomfort? Yeah. So, you know, nobody wants to look like that. Um, In my past, like kind of before I had this, my abs were always the part of my body that I liked the most, like they were the ones that would tone up the easiest. My legs were always kind of hard to get toned, you know, just genetically, my arms were always kind of skinny. So my abs were like my thing, right? They were my jam. It was what I was proud of. And all of a sudden I was bloated and, you know, the gas didn't help either. So I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know what exactly it was. And it didn't really matter what I ate or what I didn't eat at the time. Um, I couldn't figure it out. So I knew I needed some help. Okay, so if somebody has these type of symptoms, what, what should, what are their next steps, and what were some of the steps that you took as well? I know those are two. That's a two-part question. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, 
I, of course, researched uh, on Google, like a lot of us do, and tried to self-diagnose. <laughs> yes, yeah, Dr. Google. Tried to self-diagnose. You know, I couldn't really figure out what it was. I saw um, a practitioner here in town, and I, of course, won't name any names, but, God, I spent so much money with her on food sensitivity testing and all this stuff in these supplements and got no change, like nothing changed. And my food sensitivity test came back and it was like, you're allergic to chicken. You're allergic to tomatoes. And I was like going to call BS on that one. Cause I'm like, it's not the chicken. Like, trust me, it's not the chicken. <laughs> um, so from there, after researching a little bit more, I actually went to a GI doctor's office and they wanted to test me for SIBO and H. pylori. And, um, the way that they do that is through a breath test. So you prep for this test. It's usually 24 or 48 hours. And you have a specific diet that you have to follow during those days before the test. And then you go into the doctor's office and you plan to be there for like two or three hours. So they put me in a room with this very expensive machine that um, they give you. Um, it's like a, it's a drink and it's called lactulose basically. But it's a drink that ferments in your gut. It's like a sugar drink. And then every 20 minutes you blow into this tube and the machine measures the gases that are coming out of your mouth. So it's super easy. You sit and watch TV and it's a very easy <laughs> test. Um, it just takes a while. And then the test shows you what kinds of gases are coming out of your gut when you breathe into the tube. So then they can diagnose um, basically what your bacteria overgrowth is, if you have one, how bad it is and all that. Um, that is pretty much the gold standard for measuring SIBO right now. It's the easiest, least invasive way. And um, even though it does sometimes have some false positive or, or false negatives, it's usually what um, doctors and nutritionists go to right now. So then how, how did you, how were you, once you found out that you had it, um, what were some of the steps that you took to treat yeah. So or your doctor. I yeah. So this was a not medical doctor. So. <laughs> yes. Right. I am not a doctor. She is just um, sharing her personal experiences. Yes. So this was at a GI doctor's office, and from my experience, and now you know, being on some chat boards about this, and dealing with lots of other, um, or having interactions with lots of other people that have had it. Typically, when you get diagnosed by a GI doctor. They prescribe this specific antibiotic for you, and if you're lucky, they will also prescribe an antifungal um, or this other medication to go with it. They send you off on your way with these two prescriptions. You feel amazing after two weeks, and then like a month later, you are back to square one. Um, I have nothing against the medical profession, I've just found in my experience and many people, many other people's experiences that when diagnosed by a medical doctor who is trained to just treat illness, this is typically what happens. It goes away, you feel amazing, and then it comes back because they're not preventing what caused it in the first place. So that's what happened to me the first time. I did these prescriptions. A month later, I felt better. Or, uh, and then I turned right around and started having the same old symptoms again. So I did another round, felt better, and then felt worse again. And they said, well, then you must have something else. And you know how you know yourself. <laughs> Sometimes you just have to trust your intuition. And I felt like SIBO is something I definitely had. My test showed I had it. But from the research that I did, I knew that it could come right back if you weren't fixing what kept bringing it back. Um, so after that, I started seeing a functional nutritionist. There really wasn't one in town at the time. So I worked with a lady named Angela Pfeiffer, who um, has a website called the SIBO Guru. And I was on a waiting list to see her. She became my nutritionist and um, basically helped me kick my SIBO at that time. And we did it not through prescription medications, but she had me on rotating herbal medicines. She had me on a specific diet. Um, and we basically went through four months of that protocol. And then I finally tested SIBO negative because functional nutritionists, functional medicine doctors are trained not only to treat your issue, but then they go back and see how can we 
heal your body from the inside and then prevent this from happening. So that's kind of the extra step that medical doctors are not necessarily trained to take. And so what are some of those, um, some of those deeper rooted issues that are addressed then or that can occur or what are some causes, I guess, would yeah. also lead us into that? Yeah. So it's important to try to determine how you ended up with SIBO. Um, but for a lot of people, it's really difficult to know your cause because there's no definitive test that tells you. From the best that I can tell, as far as my story goes, um, when I was 18, I went to Mexico, and of all things, I ate a pear that still had the skin on it. I didn't know you weren't supposed to eat fruit that had peel on it, and this was, you know, when I was 18, so I'm not going to age myself here, but it was a long time ago. <laughs> so um, I got, like, deathly ill in Mexico. Um, everything was coming out both ends. I couldn't even keep a teaspoon of Gatorade down. I had to have a Mexican doctor come to my hotel room and inject me with something that would cause my dehydration to stop and, um, and then gave me an antibiotic. So I think, in my experience, this is what started my whole downfall. Um, after that, probably over the next 20 years, almost every other time I went to Mexico, I would get sick like that. So it was kind of a, a crapshoot. It was 50-50 every time I went to Mexico, like, oh, my God, is this going to happen? Or am I going to have a good vacation? So mm. about half the time I would end up with the same thing. And, and it was always, you know, due to something that I ate, um, whether or not it was suspect. You know, like the, the last time it happened to me, I couldn't even tell you what it was that I ate because I know better and I was trying to be really careful. But something happened. I just have a crazy sensitive system now. So all those rounds of, you know, food poisoning or traveler's poisoning, whatever you want to call it, and antibiotics um, basically slowed my motility down to a crawl. My um, gut bacteria was super imbalanced. Nothing was digesting right. Um, before I was diagnosed with SIBO, I kind of went through a phase where I got super, super skinny and not... I wasn't trying to, <laughs> but I was like, hey, this is great. I'm really tiny. But my, um, after a while, I kind of found out my hormones were totally in the toilet. Like they weren't even registering on the radar of being anywhere near normal. So my body was kind of wasting away. And a lot of it was coming from the fact that I wasn't digesting anything. Like I wasn't getting any nutrition from my food whatsoever. So, um, yeah, so for me, it was that. For other people, it can be, you know, years of antibiotics um, based from, you know, whatever your issue might be. Um, slow motility could be from, you know, internal gut damage. Some people have adhesions from surgeries. Um, so anyway, there's like a hundred reasons it could be. You could get it, but... Um, it's kind of important to figure out why if you can, just so you know you can tackle the reason that you're getting it. Okay. And I know that there's uh, certain types that you had sort of the constipation version. Mm -hmm. um, are there different causes for the diarrhea um, type of SIBO? Or yeah, it's it just um, there are two different types of gases. Like wh when I mentioned taking that test, um, one type of gas basically correlates with pe the people who have the constipation type SIBO and the other type of gas usually correlates with the people who have the diarrhea type SIBO and the constipation type people usually have a really hard time losing weight and the diarrhea type people usually have um, like they're dangerously underweight. They can get really sick and, and not be able to put on weight. Okay. And so how do these different bouts, I mean, how many times after working with the SIBO guru, did you get it back? Um, I would say it kind of comes and goes. I've never been officially diagnosed with it since then. Like that one time where I had the breath test, I was officially diagnosed. I've had some other tests since then where the functional medicine doctor that I work with has basically kind of been able to tell that I probably have active SIBO again. And since then, I've always just kind of done the herbal treatment. And now I know enough that 
when I start feeling symptoms coming back, specifically the bloating and the gas, then I have a pretty good grip on what herbal supplements I need to take and what foods I need to cut out to really help knock those symptoms back. Um, so for me, I sort of feel like it's going to be something that I have to keep an eye on um, all my life, which is, you know, it's not a horrible thing because I know how to work with it now. And I know that the cleaner my diet is and the more I can avoid the foods that trigger it, which for me, sugar is a bad one. You know, the more that I can avoid stuff like that, the healthier I'll be and the more normal my gut is. So it does sort of help me avoid all of the all the treats that I really like. <laughs> <laughs> so as far as your um, bikini competitions, can you first share with the listeners kind of your bikini background, um, some of the different, um, how many times you've prepped for shows and I know you've had a couple of different coaches and they've taken different approaches. So I kind of want to talk about that as well, but mm-hmm. yeah. So I think I've done four shows, <laughs> maybe five. I think four though. I know we did one together. Yes. So right, that. right. Right. Um, yeah. And I had two different coaches. So the first, um, my first coach had me, she got me right after I was basically treated for SIBO the first time. And that was after I had done the prescriptions and then gone through the herbal route and been retested. And so I knew I was SIBO negative, but I was still having some symptoms. Like I was kind of bloating and having a hard time still. Like I wanted to drop five pounds and I just couldn't. And so I was like, what better time to, you know, try a bikini (laughs) competition. (laughs) And my first coach, it, it was very fortuitous at the time, even though I didn't know it. She put me on um, basically a keto prep. So super low carb, kind of high fat, you know, high protein, all that. And what that did for me at the time was actually help me really round out my SIBO treatment and really kick my symptoms to the curb, which I didn't know that was going to happen at the time. Um you know, keto was not as popular then as it really is now. Like there's a lot more information about it, but that really helps me get rid of my symptoms. Um, So I went through my first three competitions basically on that kind of diet, but what ended up happening for me was keto sort of backfired on me. Um, My thyroid was not a huge fan of not having a lot of carbs and my body just sort of started rejecting it. So even though I was on the same plan with each prep that I did, I actually ended up a couple pounds heavier on stage each time. And no, it wasn't due to muscle. It was not due to muscle gain. Because you can see in the pictures, like I just wasn't as lean as I was through that very first prep. So um, the next time I wanted to compete, I actually went with a different coach just because I knew she had a different approach. And she trained people more in a traditional sense where you're, you know, carving up around your workouts. And I knew I was going to get some complex carbs and I just wanted to see what my body would look like, you know, training and prepping in a totally different way. So by this time I had pretty much been SIBO free for a couple years. My digestion was great. She knew I was coming off of basically a keto diet. And so she transitioned me really well. And Um, everything went really great and I was able to put on a little bit of muscle and I was still lean on stage and, um, and it was awesome. So, and what were your macro ratios? If you don't mind sharing that. Um, so my, with the second coach, I started around 40, 30, 30, and then I ended up, um, I just looked at this the other day, probably more like, gosh, I bet I was closer to 40% protein. Um, And I was still probably about 40% carbs, but I was down around 20% fat. So she took my fat way down at the end. um, But I was still pretty heavy on protein and carbs. And I know you didn't mention this before, but I think that it's an important piece. um, Because the same thing, I know I experienced this as well. Um, It it knocked out your menstrual cycle, right? With the the lack of carbs (laughs) in the first prep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even, even through my second prep, um, it, I haven't had a normal menstrual cycle in a while, like until recently. So even through the second prep with those carbs, um, my body still had a lot of healing to do. And it has, I mean, I have just 
recently, like within the last year, gotten my menstrual cycle back. And, you know, not that I really missed having it because it sure is convenient when you don't <laughs> have one. But, yes. you know, it's you know something's you, not right. Yeah. When you're not getting it, you're like, okay, something's exactly. probably going wrong here. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. So um, as far as did your symptoms ever come back between those four shows I keep rewinding a little mm-hmm, bit that's but, okay um, um yeah during all that time I mean I was probably you know in and out of prep pretty consistently over a three-year period so it, my SIBO never really came back because even even after my first three shows when I was on keto I pretty much stayed keto and I was never really put on a reverse diet so <laughs> um I didn't have many, I didn't really have anywhere to go. And then I went into prep with my second coach. And so SIBO never really came back for me at that time. When it did come back was after my last show, I actually did really well for about four months. And I was put on a reverse diet and I followed it and everything was great. And I, um, you know, maintained the, not my stage leanness, but my leanness that I wanted to be at. But um, gosh, when it all fell apart for me was we went on a cruise this was like six months after my last show and I mean I ate all the things and when I say all the things I mean like dessert for breakfast lunch and dinner and that's totally me and that killed me I mean it was delicious but and at the time I was like why am I doing this why am I doing this and I came back I don't even know how much heavier I came back from that cruise but I brought my SIBO back like full-blown just from that one week of eating all the sugar I know I I cannot do all-inclusives I've just decided my fat kid cannot (laughs) make it through (laughs) it doesn't survive I'm like all the foods I just want them I know like out of sight out of mind is great but when it's in front of me yeah and it's free right it's a real problem yeah yeah if I have to buy it, I'm <laughs> okay. But yes, yeah. <laughs> if there's dessert. Yeah. Um, no, I totally get that. So then when it came back after the cruise, how did you, did you take a different process of managing it from there? Um, so about that time is when I found this book um, called Healthy Gut, Healthy You. I like to read a lot. <laughs> and You're a nerd. By, you I am a nerd. Podcast. Yes. Um, <laughs> We're nerds over here, too. <laughs> it's a, the doctor that wrote it, his name is Michael Ruscio, and he is actually, I think he's a functional medicine doctor. Um, it's a really amazing book, and you don't have to be a, you know, a nerd to get into it. It's written for laymen. It's very easy to understand, and it really helps you figure out why you are where you are at your stage of your gut health. Um, and then it tells you exactly what protocols to follow to fix it. And it's not just, uh, you know, take this, take this, and you'll be fine. It is really um, more than just a one-time fix. So it's a fixing, it's a healing, and it's a maintaining um, program. So that book was super helpful to me. It, um, it links to, you know, the supplements that he recommends and all that. So I actually went through that protocol, felt much better. So I, you know, treated myself. And these are all... there it's all herbal treatment so it's everybody has access to it like you don't have to get a prescription for it you can usually find it you know on Amazon or he has his own supplements so I ordered his but so I treated myself through that and then just from going through that again you know how you start to attract people that are like you yeah and yeah yeah and so Every once in a while, you know, I would bring it up with somebody and talk about it and they'd be like, oh, my God, I'm having the same issue, you know, and yeah, oh, my God, apples do that to me, too. Or <laughs> they would talk to me about their GI stuff. And um, so then I started just doing even more research so I could start to help my clients because, gosh, they were starting to come out of the woodwork with all of these GI issues that nobody had ever brought to my attention before. Um, oh, sorry. No, you're fine. So... Um, since then, so there's that book, The Healthy, Healthy Gut, Healthy You, and I think we can probably link to that in the show notes or something. But yeah, we'll l- talk about that. Um, I'll definitely put a link in the show notes so that um, you can reference that Yeah, if you're listening. Yeah, and then there's also a podcast that I came across called The Cabral Concept, and that's run by 
a uh, functional nutritionist named Stephen Cabral, and he literally has thousands of podcasts that, I mean, you could look up anything, and he probably has a podcast on it. <laughs> so it's a real uh, rabbit hole if you want to get involved in that. But um, his podcast on gut health became really fascinating to me. And then he's got a whole website with supplements and protocols that I have now sent clients to for their own treatment and they've had some really amazing results awesome yeah so I had a couple questions from some of the competitors um that wanted to know more um I I guess one of the things was um how can you help populate your gut microbiome proactively um so how can bikini competitors do that yeah um so you have to sort of be careful because if you're having gut issues already, um, you without testing, you don't really know what's going on. So if you already have an overgrowth of bacteria, the last thing you probably want to do is put pro- probiotics in it, <laughs> right. put more bacteria in it. So I would say if you're already having an issue, getting tested could be one of the most valuable things you can do so that you know how to progress and heal yourself. Um, if you already have pretty good gut health and you digest things well, uh, keep doing what you're doing because <laughs> obviously, you know, you have great gut health. Taking probiotics is, um, it's fine. I don't think there's a problem with it. There, there's some controversial stuff that's coming out about them right now, like some tests that have been done that really, that you know some show that people get benefits some people show that they don't get benefits some show that once you stop taking them the benefit stops like it's not a permanent thing Um, if you are taking probiotics you should be varying them so you take one probiotic one month and then the next month you switch it up Um, it's kind of like tilling the soil in your garden right you don't ever only put one thing in to balance the soil you have to keep rotating what you're putting in the soil so that it keeps your plants growing all year long. And that's what you want to do with your gut too. You want to keep varying the nutrients and the um, probiotic strains basically that you're putting in there to keep it healthy and well-rounded. Prebiotic foods too is another thing that's coming up a lot in the research that's showing people really need to keep their gut health well. Um, And prebiotics can be really easily gotten from food. You don't need to take a pill for those. The prebiotic fiber that's in the Quest bars doesn't count. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it can be just as simple as like if you're putting a little banana in your smoothie just to slice off a little piece of the banana peel and put it in there. That's a really great source. Um, Reheated rice and potatoes, as long as you don't heat it to like steaming hot, will still have some prebiotic fiber in it. Um. And there's like plantain flour and stuff is great for prebiotic fiber, but there's really easy ways to get it through your food. And that will all help cultivate your good gut bacteria. Can you touch on um, fermentable foods and yogurts and mm-hmm. uh, cabbage and kombucha, <laughs> yes. all of those? Yeah. So those are, you know, all natural prebiotics or probiotics, sorry, usually. And once again, if you're if you have good gut health, those probably feel good to you. If you don't have good gut health, you could drink some kombucha or have some, you know, kimchi and be bloated like a balloon. And if you're having those symptoms, then that probably means you have a little gut imbalance going on and you need to investigate that a bit. But um, with good gut health, all of those things can help keep your gut functioning and your digestion um, doing a really great job at taking out all those nutrients that you're eating in your food. Can you speak on just micronutrients and a variety of vegetables and fruits and things and Mm -hmm. how that can impact? Yeah. Sometimes during prep, it's hard to get all those micronutrients in depending on, you know, what your diet looks like. Um, I, I like to get mine from a powdered source. So I actually use the um, Equilibrium supplements that I mentioned a little bit ago. They have a shake called the Daily Nutritional Support. That's basically like a multivitamin in a powder. And so I just blend it into my shake. It's got a little bit of protein in it, but it is really a complete spectrum of 
nutrition, so vitamins and minerals and um, protein and actually some stuff that helps your body detox. So that's kind of my favorite supplement at this point. But, you know, anytime you can throw bright, vibrant fruits and vegetables um, into your diet is always going to help. You just have to have that good digestion so it can get the micronutrients out of those foods so your body can use them. So from the greens, um, I mean, we're thinking about macros here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a lot of people are living the prep life. So mm -hmm. what is the carb count and uh, what, are, what are the macros on that green? On powder? that shake? Yeah. Um, you know what? I'd have to look it up. I know it only has 100 calories in it and it has 15 grams of protein. So the carbs, I believe, are pretty low. It's only, I could look it up, but it's only a few, a handful of carbs and maybe like two, two and a half grams of fat, something like that. Cause I know it has, okay. um, some flaxseed and stuff in it, but it's pretty minimal hundred calories per shake. Okay. Um, how do you feel about flaxseed now that you mentioned that? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, so I love flaxseed because it's great for, um, regularity. It also helps with, um, some estrogen balance, which sometimes we can have trouble with, but it has to be in the right amounts and it has to be usable for your body. So again, if your digestion is kind of crap, flax seeds may not agree with you very well, whether they're ground or whole or whatever. So there is a little bit in this shake and I feel like if I can digest it, pretty much anybody pretty else could too. <laughs> You're like the canary in the, in the mind. Yes. <laughs> Um, can you talk about digest? Well, since we're talking about digestion, um, just speaking on digestive enzymes, um, and then, um, any other thoughts on those? Yeah. Um, I, so I currently use digestive enzymes and I also use uh, betaine hydrochloric HCL basically. Um, if you feel like you have trouble digesting foods, like especially protein, some people say, gosh, when I eat a lot of protein, it just feels like it sits in my stomach. Um, could be that you have low stomach acid and there's e super easy ways um, to test for that. If you, you know, kind of Google it or YouTube it, you can look for, um, you know, testing your stomach acid with betaine HCL and usually taking betaine as a supplement during your heavier protein um, heavy meals can help you digest that if you have low stomach acid and also digestive enzymes. I feel like a lot of us, especially if you've gone through several preps or maybe you've, you know, dieted for your entire adult life, like lots of us have, you may not have the most spectacular enzymatic activity in your gut. So digestive enzymes can always help. And it's just a super easy thing to try. You know, it's harmless. Um, you can grab bottles, good bottles of digestive enzymes anywhere and give it a try and see if that helps your digestion at all. Okay. So moving on to a totally, well, kind of a different topic, but um, mm -hmm. waist trainers. So <laughs> we had a question from one of our competitors about um, if you are experiencing a lot of this bloating and digestion, how, um, I know you've worn a waist trainer. One of your coaches had you wear one and then one did not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, gosh, <laughs> <laughs> loaded question, I so, guess. But. Yeah. So my first coach did have me wear a waist trainer. I hated every second of it. Um, my second coach did not. I mean, the thing about wearing a waist trainer, it's kind of like, um, oh God, God, like the old school days of Chinese foot binding, you know, where they like <laughs> squish everything together. Um, it, it, when you wear a waist trainer, your digestion cannot function as usual. So if you already have gut issues, wearing a waist trainer is probably not the most amazing idea. If your coach really wants you to wear it, I would suggest maybe wearing it when you're not eating. Um, give your body time to, when you eat, to digest your meal, like give it a solid hour, maybe two, then put your waist trainer back on. Um, I, in my opinion, I just don't feel like it's a great idea to wear it 24-7 if you have gut issues. Um... I know some people wear it my night too. Oh my gosh, I could never wear it to sleep in, but I know some people I would did. I recommend that. Yeah. Uh, okay, good. Do not wear it at night. <laughs> I'm telling you that right now. I just felt like um, I was short of breath. My, my competitors do wear waist trainers, but, um, but yes, we've talked about how after eating, it's not the best. Um, yes. Especially if you're dealing with bloating issues, it's, it can be very uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, so can you speak on... Um, 
uh, it was something along the lines of voice trainer. Oh, can you just, I, I really liked, you were sharing um, that you've always kind of had, kind of, I mean, you're a Pilates instructor and yoga and group everything. exercise. And so <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. do everything, pretty much do everything um, fitness related. So that, like myself, being an aerobics instructor, I know that for me, it took me a long time to break down my obliques um, and, and bikini. Uh-huh. They're looking mm-hmm. for that hourglass. And so mm-hmm. I was always told that, yeah, I was t- a little too blocky. So um, what are – you had said something about posing, how that really – Oh, yeah. 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 So I still have a blocky waist, like, and I always have. I've always said I'm sort of built more like a stick of celery. <laughs> so – which is, you know, not great in some ways, not so great for bikini. Um So my original coach basically did not want me to do any sort of abdominal workouts at all, no core workouts at all, Um, just kind of in order to atrophy those muscles a little bit so it would help me create a waist. And at first I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense because I want abs, but she was actually right. It, um, It worked well to kind of create my waist, but then also posing is, I mean, such an important part of competing because you can hide a multitude of sins with (laughs) a great posing routine, right? So um, my posing always revolved around trying to give me that hourglass shape, make the booty pop, you know, make the shoulders pop and make my waist look really tiny, which, you know, if I'm facing you straight on, it is not tiny. But when I had a great posing routine, I really did look like I had a nice hourglass shape. And you have a really good stage presence. So I think... Um, can you talk a little bit about how just kind of maybe even just your how you go out there and <laughs> pose and what's going on through your head? Um, yeah. And kind of how to get that stage presence. Yeah. I think, you know, they always say you can you name your whatever you name your feelings is what you experience. So if you're getting ready to go on stage and you you have those feelings that butterflies in your stomach, you can either call it being nervous or you can call it being excited. So really whatever name you give to those feelings is what you're going to exude on stage. So stepping out onto that stage, like for everybody, we all have those butterflies in our stomach. We all feel like we're going to crash and burn on those stinking heels um, or slip and fall, (laughs) something like that, teeter-tottering around. Um, But I think you really have to harness that energy like, oh, my God, look how far you have come. Look how amazing you are. Look how beautiful you are. And just let that shine and know that. Those few seconds that you have on stage, like, that is you. That is your moment, and you are like this beautiful princess that has put in all this time to (laughs) be exactly where you are. You're exactly where you're meant to be, and, I mean, you just need to get out there and own it. And when you do, those judges see that, and that comes across as, you know, confidence and beauty and um energy and that can really play into how you place like you could have the most amazing figure but if you get out there and you look like a deer in the headlights they can sense that and it's not as exciting and you're not drawing them in whereas you have some flaws but you hide it in your posing and you act like like dang you know I'm meant to be there and I'm going to own this stage for the 20 seconds that I'm out there they can see that and they feel it and they love it yeah I love that so um, any items that I missed as far as I know we've kind of jumped around. We're talking about posing now and uh, you just uh, basically wrapped that up very nicely. Is there anything I missed in regards to SIBO that you think would be super helpful for our listeners, um, especially in regards to like the bikini competition population? Um, you know, any time that... I think we are following a really strict diet, um, probably over-exercising a bit. I mean, we're training for competition, right? This is an athletic endeavor. Um, So it's not that we're doing anything wrong. We are just, we're working in a way that is getting towards this one goal of being on stage, like this one moment of glory. Um, Continuous prep, one show right after another, is probably not awesome for anyone's gut. Um... Nor is it great for your headspace, right? But it's, I think we need to, at some point, you know, take a break, 
gain some good healthy weight back um, and really focus on your gut health, especially if you've been eating the same foods over and over and over again for weeks, months, or months, or even, gosh, maybe years at a time. Um, variety is the spice of life, and variety in your nutrition can really help keep your, your gut health and your metabolism and your hormones happy. So I think sometimes we just have to give our bodies a little bit of a break in between and focus on our health. I know that's hard to do when we're all here because we're focused on how we look, but um, taking a step back and focusing on our overall health can really, really benefit you in the long run. Yeah, and taking an improvement season is definitely something to be, you know, addressed. And I also, even just during prep, I encourage, um, you know, lots of variety so that we're getting micronutrients, you know, tracking macros. Mm -hmm. That's great. Following just a a meal plan that doesn't have options and flexibility is really tough on the gut. Um, If you're eating chicken and broccoli at at the same time every single day, I mean, it's just not, it's not going to, you're not going to be getting the nutrients that your body needs. Yeah. And that's awesome because I feel like a lot of coaches have it's like the same thing, 24-7, 24-7, the same meal day after day. So, yeah, it sounds like you're really keeping the variety in your in your clients' meals, and that's awesome. Trying to. Trying yeah. To. Yeah. Um, unicorn prep, so <laughs> unique, unique to them. Um, as far as any kind of inflammatory foods, um, I know you mentioned sugar. Are there any other foods that you found have been reactive? Um I think we might have kind of the similar um, <laughs> trigger food that um, for some reason I just, sweet potatoes, they're, can you talk mm-hmm. about them a little bit? Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. Sweet potatoes. You think they're like, oh my God, they're so healthy for you and they're so great. Oh my God, they're not for me. Um, there are definitely foods for me that trigger symptoms and everybody's a little bit different. Um, dairy for me was something that was utilized by my second coach. Like I was having Greek yogurt every day. I, um, oh, I had like the little laughing cow cheese wedges spread on things. And at the time it didn't seem to bother me, but now, um, dairy really bothers me big time. So dairy is a really highly inflammatory food for people. And sometimes you don't even realize it until you take it out of your life for a couple of weeks. And when you add it back in, oh my gosh, it can give horrible reactions. Um, Anybody who has skin issues should really look at their dairy consumption because that um, dairy intolerance tends to come out in skin a lot, like breakouts um, and things like that. Yeah. Um, Gluten as well. Uh, Not to me, not so much. Like I've been tested and I don't really have any sensitivity to gluten. I try not to eat it and I try to encourage my clients not to eat it just to focus your carb consumption, you know, more on grains like rice or oats, um, sweet potatoes, <laughs> they can tolerate even <laughs> but, regular potatoes. But white potatoes are fine for you, right? White potatoes are saying. fine for me. White rice is fine for me. Brown rice is actually harder for me to digest. Because um, of the hulls or the extra fat um, or no? Yeah, but if you look at like a nutrition label, there's really not a whole lot of difference between white and brown rice. Right. Um, but white rice is just, it's more easily digested. True. You know? Yeah. So, um, and there are, everybody's got some things. If you've heard of um, high FODMAPs, or if you know what a FODMAP is. Actually, I would really like for you to talk about that because that's something that. I get a lot of clients that are sensitive to high FODMAP foods. So just as an example, like FODMAPs are um, garlic, onion, apples, celery, um, pears, cherries, cherries. sometimes like white potatoes with the skin on it. So if you have a high FODMAP sensitivity, that doesn't mean you're sensitive to all those foods. Um, And it could mean you're sensitive to high quantities of those foods, but you can have small quantities of them. So for example, one of the ways that I can tell where my state of gut health is in is if I eat an apple. If I can eat a small apple and I don't get any bloating or gas, then I'm in a good place. If it kills me, I'm in a bad place. Interesting. Yeah, because apples are high FODMAP. So FODMAPs are basically um, 
it's an acronym and I don't even remember what it stands for. I never do, but you can find the charts online. Yeah. They have like a kind of like a scale that's by color, which I think yes. is helpful. There's red. Orange yeah. And yeah. Green. So it's basically kind of ranks the fermentability of foods in your stomach. So some foods are highly fermentable, like cause a lot of activity with your bacteria trying to chew it all up. And some foods are um, very low fermentable. So a lot of times if my clients are having, they notice sensitivities to specific foods. If it's not a true food sensitivity, like I can kind of nail down if it's a high FODMAP sensitivity. And a lot of women have that. And then just by pulling some of those foods out of your diet or greatly de decreasing the quantity of it can help you heal your gut in the interim and then kind of avoid those symptoms too. Can you speak on leaky gut a bit? Yeah. Um, leaky gut is, you can't really diagnose it, <laughs> but a lot of people who have leaky gut um, have autoimmune issues. Those are linked greatly hand in hand. So if you have any sort of autoimmune issues, it's very likely that you probably have to some level um, leaky gut. And there are ways to heal leaky gut. Um, avoiding dairy and gluten is a great start. And then also adding some things to your nutrition that can help seal up those junctions in your gut, like um, collagen, aloe, and not like the aloe you put on your body, but like the, the food grade aloe. There, there are lots of things. Like if you Google how to heal leaky gut, there are lots of supplements that they kind of recommend to take. But um, how do you feel about glutamine? Loading? Yeah, glutamine's awesome um, okay. to heal your gut. But if you have digestive issues, it can be really hard to digest. Okay. Um, so it's you just kind of have to start small on some of these things and sort of be your own science experiment. <laughs> So um, we've been jumping all over the place, but um, can you talk about, can you kind of get back to, you were mentioning the sweet potatoes and I think we got on a FODMAP. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so can you touch on that? Yeah. You know what? It, for me, I'm, I'm not really sure what it is. I, it's probably a quantity issue. So p sweet potatoes in general are not high FODMAP, but for me, if I have more than a half a cup, I get symptoms. I get bloating. I get gas. Um, if I have probably a quarter cup, I'm fine. So for a lot of women, I find that's the same thing where you may be sensitive to things in bigger quantities. You're okay with smaller quantities. Avocado is another one like that. Like lots of women can have a quarter of an avocado and don't even notice it. But if you were to sit down with a whole avocado, you know, with salt and all that delicious stuff and scoop it out, it would it would kill you. <laughs> <laughs> so is that, have you experienced more bloating with, I know you had said the apple, you know that mm -hmm. that's when your SIBO is kind of under control. Is the sweet potato when it is under control and when it's not? You know what? So my, my second coach that had me eating the carbs, she put sweet potato in my plan and I could absolutely not have it. And I felt like I had pretty good gut health at that time. So okay. that was just one of those foods that gosh, I used to be able to eat all the time for years. My husband and I were like strict paleo and um, we ate sweet potatoes all the time. So it's just kind of a sensitivity, I think, that I've developed now, which is super unfortunate because they're delicious. They are delicious. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, is there anything else that you can share with our listeners about gut health or um, how to be proactive about taking care of their, their gut population? that we missed? Yeah. I think if you're having issues that just really aren't resolved by finding your trigger foods or, you know, taking a probiotic or something simple, getting tested is the most valuable information you can get about yourself. Um, and we'll link some, um, testing options in the show notes. There is an online lab that I like to refer my clients to, um, it's private. You take the test in your own home and then with the results of your lab, you get, um, a little 30 minute consult with a health coach that can help guide you on how to treat whatever it is that you have going on and, um, getting tested and, and getting some answers to what your issues are, are seriously valuable information. And so let's kind of wrap it up with that information. I know that you had referenced the, the book earlier, um, 
but if you can just share with our listeners what the name was mm-hmm. of that was again. Yeah, so the book is called Healthy Gut, Healthy You, and that's by Dr. Michael Ruscio. Um, so that's kind of a step-by-step plan laid out within a book. If you really don't feel like reading a book, <laughs> nerding <laughs> out in a book like that, the website that I send my clients to is called Equilibrium Nutrition, and that's run by um, Stephen Cabral, Dr. Stephen Cabral, who I mentioned also before, who has all the amazing podcasts. Um, they're all, you know, on health issues and mind body and stuff like that. But we'll link up Equilibrium. Um, they have some testing. You would probably want to go with the organic acids testing. That's the name of it on the website. If you want to know more about your gut health, they have testing for all kinds of things. But that would be a good place to start. Um, and then if it's found out that you have, you know, small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, or there's also something called small intestinal fungal overgrowth, CIFO, um, there's a protocol for that. It's the candida bacteria overgrowth protocol. It's all the herbs you would need, specific probiotics that help really treat and repair your gut and get you out of that inflammatory state. So, um, can we kind of give a disclaimer as far as just like making sure that <laughs> <laughs> we we are not medical doctors and just right? Kind of, um, yes, I am a health coach, yes, <laughs> so it's out of our scope and practice yes. to treat or yes, I don't diagnose, diagnose anybody, I don't treat anything, I just give health suggestions. <laughs> yes, so um, so just keep that in mind when we when we talk about this. Um, so in the show notes, we're going to have the link to that testing. Um, is there a way that the listeners can find you if they have additional questions regarding yeah. that link? Yes, I would love to get in touch with some of your listeners because um, obviously we have some stuff in common. Um, you can find me on Instagram at KC Fit Coach. And then that's also um, my page on Facebook, KC Fit Coach. And yeah, I'd love anybody that wants to reach out with extra questions, um, comments, anything like that. I'd love to hear from you. Yeah. And we would love to hear from you on the, we are also on Instagram at prep life podcast. So be sure to DM us or, um, make a comment on today's episode. And, um, I'm sure that we will get those questions sent over to Bree as well. (laughs) Um, And then if you can do us a favor, this is an unfunded podcast. So if you can leave a review on iTunes, that helps the algorithm um, have other people be able to find us. Um, So if there are people that, you know, need the same type of, um, you know, that have the same type of issues or maybe they're just interested in the sport of bodybuilding. Um, And so if you can leave us a review, that's even more helpful. Uh, for the Android users, we are on Podbean, um, so the same things apply there. Um, we would sure appreciate it. So this is Amy Anger, uh, founder and CEO and Glam Girl Bikini Coach. And thank you for listening to episode 26, our SIBO podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs>